Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's the best day of the year, early National Signing Day, and it is a massive Fizz Day on Orange Fizz. Welcome in to the roundtable as we do every single year, our annual early National Signing Day roundtable where we break everything down this year. It is the class of 2022, and alongside me, I have John Eads and Ian Unsworth. I'm Jaron May. Uh, we got you for the next couple minutes to break everyone down and to go through Everyone that you need to know in this class. Guys, we'll start with opening thoughts because I know both of you are very passionate about this class. Uh, and I'll just go out with it. You got 12 recruits. One uh, is just an Australian punter that's not ranked at all. Uh, you also bring in one transfer that we will touch on. They rank 70th nationally. That's 10 worse than last year's 60th mark. And they're 13 out of 14 ACC teams. Uh I mean, I'm not too happy about it. I'm with you. If you want to improve in the ACC and build your program, this is certainly not a good look to do that. I've written about this several times on Orange Fizz that we haven't really seen a positive progression in Dino Babers' recruiting. And let's not forget, that's what he was brought to Syracuse to do, and we really haven't seen that kind of jump to the forefront, and we haven't seen this program take off because the recruiting has been so subpar. There are years when you can bring in small classes, 11, 12, 13 guys, but that also means you got to go to the transfer portal and get a bunch of dudes, and Syracuse has not done that yet. They could in the future, and they could sign a couple of guys on the next signing day in February, but so far, I'm not impressed with this class, and this program, this team, has absolutely been gutted by the transfer portal, so they have a ton of scholarships open. I don't know why they're not just stacking up guys in this class. We were talking about it, John. It seems like they have 15 or 20 open scholarships, and I also think that comes with the coordinator on the offensive side and whoever else they bring in. That'll help get some bodies in, but back to the recruiting thing. This team did not produce on the field, and Dino Babers specifically did not produce and did not come in clutch on the field. Recruiting is the big counterpoint to that. You can see at Texas A&M, they have one big win, but an overall mediocre season. But that big win over Alabama turns into a top three class in 2022. All the momentum from one moment, whether that's Sean Tucker getting f multiple first-team All-American honors, you can turn into recruiting. I mean, it's, it's just cash for upcoming recruits. They see Sean Tucker's success. They want to be a part of that. But Syracuse did not come up clutch in those big games. They didn't beat Florida State. They didn't beat Clemson. They didn't beat a Wake Forest team that was undefeated. There were no massive momentum builders for SU this year, and I think that's one reason why this class is so small. It's so disappointing, and it's not something where Dino Babers can say, hey, I might have sucked on the football field this year. My decision-making was not good, but it's going to be better in the future also Look at these guys I'm bringing in. These guys are really talented. This is, this is not that class. 
Again, this is the Fizz Roundtable. Jaron May alongside John Eads and Ian Unsworth. Make sure you go check out all of our early National Signing Day content. OrangeFizz.net is the website to go to. At OrangeFizz on SoundCloud and Twitter to check out all of our audio content and all of our fun tweets. We have a lot of analysis out there. Guys, we'll start with what I think is the best recruit and what just the the guys, the the uh, scholars that study these recruits think. Uh, LaQuint Allen coming out of New Jersey, a three-star running back, six foot one eighty. He is a top one thousand, top eight hundred recruits. He's the sixtieth overall according to two four seven Sports running back uh, in this class of twenty twenty two. He could be a really solid option, but behind Sean Tucker for the next couple years. And after that, there's not much. We will touch on a couple other guys later, but LaQuint Allen is at least the guy that I have my eye on. And LaQuint Allen has to be a really solid option. It might be next season. Because think about this. There's no Abdul Adams. There's no Cooper Lutz. He's in the portal. Who else are you looking at in terms of the running back position? Jarvion Howard's also gone mid-season transfer. LaQuint Allen might come in and be RB2, all things considered. And He's a great passing back. He is a plus on the passing side. He's got great hands, and he runs good routes out of the backfield. But as a running back, he's got a lot to improve on. He's patient as a runner. I think that's a big plus. Tucker's very patient as well. He waits for the offensive line to sift a hole and then wiggles through it. And his acceleration's great. He's a former track athlete as well. Uh, ran the 100-meter dash and under in high school. So he's got that acceleration, that burst. Once he hits the hole, he can really get up to that top speed quickly. Uh, the thing that I struggle with watching Allen's tape, uh, he does not make my guys miss. First contact, he's probably going down. and Which that is, is the not complete, a- complete opposite of Sean Tucker. Absolutely. I, I wrote the uh, Offensive Commits article on orangefizz.net, and I said great running backs like Kenneth Walker III, Sean Tucker, Bijan Robinson, these guys that are grading high in draft boards and getting All-American honors, they are not going down on first contact. They're getting three or four yards of yak on every single carry. And to not see that from Allen in high school is is somewhat concerning. Yes, he can still bulk up. He can still add mass to his frame. I mean, once he puts on 15, 20 pounds, he might not be a scat back anymore and can be a three-down guy. But right now, I think there's a lot to improve on, and that's why you don't see him in the four stars. Keep in mind, this guy was South Jersey Player of the Year, right? He is he is by no means uh, a, a lost cause, but there's a lot to improve there, and that's why he's only a three-star. South Jersey Player of the Year, also Gatorade Player of the Year in New Jersey, and it's no surprise that Syracuse's best player being Sean Tucker correlates to SU's top recruit being the running back position. And I think Dino Babers and his staff has earned the credentials in terms of evaluating that position because of what they did with Sean Tucker. He was rated about the same mid-three-star from the state of Maryland, and they took it from that DMV area, and he's really emerged as a very talented player. So I think we got to give Dino Babers the benefit of the doubt until he's on campus, but I, I think you're right, Ian. He does kind of project to be more of a scat-back type player, and maybe that's good because he can come in as a freshman, perhaps complement Sean Tucker as a receiver out of the backfield, and in the future, team up with Josh Huff, a player who Syracuse brought in last year, who could be that three down back then you bring in LaQuint Allen for the scat back role and like you said if he puts on a little bit of weight perhaps he could emerge as that every down back but he definitely has some stuff to improve on 
So LaQuint Allen, the number one recruit in this class of 2022, and Syracuse's recruiting class specifically, he's a top 800 player in the entire class of 2022. That leads me into another discussion, guys, because the skill positions lacking on this Syracuse roster right now. They don't have many wide receivers, especially with Taj Harris now gone. You're running back, of course, you are set with Sean Tucker, but after him, like you said, Ian, kind of bare, kind of empty. You only bring in one running back and you bring in one wide receiver in Donovan Brown, a three-star out of Maryland. He's solid. He's nothing special. He kind of seems like one of those middle-of-the-pack guys that'll just fall into the classic Syracuse wide receiver that doesn't do much, maybe gives you 10 to 15 catches in a season, and that's about it. Yeah, He's Donovan a big guy. Brown. Go ahead, Jeets. Go ahead. Sorry. Donovan Brown is definitely a project, but he runs a sub 11, 100 meter dash, and he has crazy athleticism. He's six foot three. So those are good intangibles that you, those are things you can't coach. So you bring that in, you can work on that. And we know that Syracuse and Dino Bayer specifically have had a lot of success with the skill position, especially the wide receiver spot. So I like Donovan Brown. I'm with you, though. I wish they would have brought in maybe one other guy at the wide receiver spot and definitely more skill position players. They did bring a lot of guys in last year, Amari Hatcher, Aronde Gadsden, Landon Morris, who's now transferring to Utah. That was a tough loss. But what I think this signifies is that Syracuse is going to hit the portal and hit it hard for the wide receiver position. There are so many talented guys in the portal, really at all the skill positions. And I think Dino Babers and company will target those uh, as we progress towards the next signing day. I'm a big fan of Brown being a possession receiver. He's six foot three, one eighty. He doesn't have the build of a possession receiver, but he plays like a possession receiver. He ran a lot of slants in high school, a lot of tunnel screens, bubble screens. He was a wildcat quarterback. They gave it to him on jet sweeps, and that could possibly just because where uh, Quince Orchard High School in Gaithersburg, Maryland, had subpar quarterback play. That could perfectly be the cause of Donovan Brown's limited route tree. But when I saw him run deep routes, he wasn't physical. He wasn't breaking guys off. He was getting by them with speed, which certainly works, but their route running, I think, has to improve, and he's not a game-changer, Jaron, as you said. It's really tough to get these game-changing wideouts uh, to come to Syracuse, just plain and simple, especially knowing with what, the, what the offense is. The offense is going to carry the ball 50 to 60 times a game, and you might get two or three targets. Also, Syracuse has a bevy of slot receivers right now. And Garrett Trader, what does he do? He throws a lot of slants over the middle. He, he throws short because he can't throw deep. <laughs> so as, as, a, as a big outside X receiver, Syracuse isn't a school you're really looking at because the offensive system doesn't fit your skill set. All right, I'm going to finish up on the offensive side because the Orange only have a couple offensive com commits. Faux. About foe. Four, if you want to count them and you want to be specific. There's only one other guy that I really want to talk about, and it's not because I think he's going to be that impactful. Um, I think it's interesting because, yet again, and, and the guy that I'm talking about is Joe Cruz, three-star offensive tackle, coming into an offensive line that will need to fill some gaps in a couple of years, probably won't see the, the field in the first two seasons, but may be a guy later on. But here's the thing with Joe Cruz. I don't really care about his play on the field. He's from New York. He's the only New York commit in this class. Ridiculous. Yet again, Dino Babers is losing recruits from his backyard and from his state. This is the biggest school in the state. 
Syracuse is supposed to be the destination, and it is not. Back-to-back years, you, not even back-to-back years, since Dino Babers has been here and before him, Syracuse has never won the recruiting battle in New York, and it happened again this year. I would say this is probably the worst performance of Dino Babers in the state of New York. It's infuriating. Yeah, I did a deep study on this exact conversation during the summer, and you can check that out at orangefizz.net. It, it's bad. He has barely ever gotten a top five player in the state of New York, and the only other programs here are Stony Brook, Lafayette, Buffalo. You Albany. Really... Hey, hey, don't forget Sorry, about Sorry, you're right, news. you're right. By the <laughs> way, Syracuse really needs to get Jared Verse from UAlbany. I'm going to write about that later this week, but that's another story for another time. He has done terrible in the state of New York. Uh, Joe Cruz is the ninth best player in the state, and he's barely a three-star. That should tell you everything you need to know. I will give him credit for what he's done down in places like Florida. I'm sure we'll get into that in a few minutes here. But you stole an offensive tackle from Stony Brook and Lafayette. Not exactly inspiring confidence, Ian. Oh, and the tape the tape on Cruz doesn't doesn't do much either. I mean, there's a reason Long Island is known for its lacrosse, guys. It's it's a lacrosse area, and it will continue to be a lacrosse area for the far future. Joe Cruz is the only guy that's 6'6", 280 on those football fields. He was dominant because of his size. Cool. It's not going to work in college. And let's let's just put... The only thing I want to mention about this New York discussion, there's only one four-star recruit in the state of New York in this class. And yes, other guys are going elsewhere, but New York isn't a treasure trove, so... It's, I don't care. A, I don't you care. You got to keep the talent a, that's there home. Yeah, I don't care if it's a Trevor Treasure Trove or not. I, th- keep them here. Why are they right. leaving? Guys are going to Oregon from New York. It makes no sense. Uh, but I, we, Joe Cruz, he's a project. That's what we're getting at here. We don't want to trash sure. on him because he hasn't even played a down of Syracuse football yet. Who knows? He could turn into something great. I'm more high on Chad Schuster. He's the three-star yeah. offensive tackle from Wisconsin. And if you want to get offensive linemen, you go to the Badger State. He's 6'6", 280, and this, he, he just pops off on film, literally. This guy is an absolute behemoth. He can move dudes. Ian was telling me earlier he's excited to see him play with Enrique Cruz. He could be the future of the offensive line. Aaron Service from the same state, and obviously he panned out and did a very had a very good career at Syracuse as well. A people mover with a mean streak, and he's – eating grass-fed beef every single day. That is what you want in your offensive line, especially if you're going to be a heavy run-block team, and they got it. This is the Fizz Early National Signing Day Roundtable as we are wrapping things up on this magical day. I know everyone looks forward to it. Uh, 12 recruits in the class of 2022 for Syracuse. Also one transfer that we will touch on as we continue on. John Eads, Ian Unsworth, Jaron May. Uh, guys, let's go over to the other side of the ball for the defensive players that have really stunned, stood out in this one. And I'll start with Dom Foster. He's listed as an athlete. He'll be a defensive back. He's a three-star out of Ohio, a, a top 900 recruit, 25 in the state of Ohio, uh, top 65-ish at his position. He's decent. Nothing special. However, what does give me some promise is that the one thing that I will say about Dino Baber's coaching staff is they can always bring in defensive backs, and whether they are a highly rated recruit or just middle of the pack like a three-star like Dom Foster, they can usually coach him up and turn him into a pretty quality player. 
Yeah, just like we talked about with the running back position, you've got to give them credit and give them the credentials for the fact that they've evaluated some positions very well. Defensive back is another one, and it hasn't really mattered that there's been coaching turnover. Tony White is going into his third season in 2022, and it really hasn't changed. The secondary's been great. Uh, the defense as a whole has really worked out, in my opinion, the 3-3-5. And I really like Dom Foster. He's 6'2", 175. And just like Donovan Brown, this guy is blazing fast. And if there's one thing that you're going to take away from this conversation, it's that guys from the Midwest, anytime you can get them, and the Sunshine State as well, I guess, go for them. Uh, we, we just said New York, uh, in terms of high school recruiting, is pretty bare in terms of talent. But if you can go into places like Ohio and Wisconsin and take these dudes, you, you do it every time. I think Dom Foster is going to be a gem. And you have to give a lot of credit to Nick Monroe, the secondaries coach. He's found diamonds in the rough, and he was Foster's primary recruiter. They spent a lot of time going after this guy. In-home visits, going to games, going to the high school stadium, and there's just been a lot of buzz around Dom Foster's name over the past month or two, and it's not like he was going to go somewhere else or decommit. It's just that people inside the program seem to be really excited about him. And yes, he might only have three other Power 5 offers, but that doesn't mean much at the end of the day. I think Foster is a guy to keep an eye on who could be that starting corner a year or two down the line. Another quarterback, corner, corner. You have to be really... No quarterbacks in this class. You need to enunciate. Quarter, no quarters, but another corner back uh, is Quan Peterson out of South Carolina, another three-star. Let let me actually just toss this out there. No one better than a three-star in this class of 2022 for Syracuse, which is just uh, pitiful, and also no one worse than that. So I don't really know why I keep saying that they are three-stars or not technically... Max Von Marburg, the uh, punter out of Australia, isn't ranked at all, doesn't have any stars. I don't think 24-7 sports has a base in Australia. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good point. Uh, But hey, I'm a huge, mark me down right now, big Max Von Marburg fan. If he turns out to be horrible, I'm going to deny that. 100%. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they are bringing in a couple cornerbacks. Also, Jeremiah Wilson. Uh, So they are filling the defensive back void that they will have in a couple of years because they're losing a couple of players to the transfer portal and their better players, namely Garrett Wilson, uh, Williams, whoa, uh, is, you know, going to be gone pretty darn soon. And, and he was, you know, their future. Also, you think that um, Deuce Chestnut will probably leave early, probably not spend a full four years with Syracuse. Uh, the other thing that I that kind of stands out to me on the defensive side of things is that they did add to the defensive line, which is going to have way more gaps than any other position on that side of the ball because they were all seemingly, seemingly like seniors, fifth-year players, maybe even sixth-year players. Uh, so the big name coming in to fill a hole on the defensive line is Dennis Jaquez. Uh, and he decommits. He was at Northeastern. He was not committed to Syracuse before today, early National Signing Day, but he announces his commitment and inks uh, the puts pen to paper uh, to commit with Syracuse. So Jaquez is an interesting one, uh, a top 1,000 player. Yeah, this one really came down to the wire. He was committed to be a Wildcat for Northwestern in the Big Ten, and just the, actually this past weekend, he visited Syracuse, came to the Hill, got a look around campus, and things went very well. Syracuse had a edge player, defensive lineman, Kyir Price, 
who was committed for months and months, but he recently decommitted and flipped to Rutgers. So now they dip back into the Garden State, take another defensive line prospect from there. And uh, I like his film. He, he's long. He's 6'4", 238. That's a kind of body that can come in and play right away. And like you said, Jaron, there's a whole lot of attrition along that D-line, some holes that definitely needed to be filled. And I don't think they filled them because they only brought in Haquez and Bella Zaire Bissett, who's been committed for a long time. That's another position. And Ian, you wrote an article about this where Syracuse is going to have to add bodies still, whether it be from high school or through the transfer portal. But definitely good to get a guy like uh, Jacques who can fill a hole off the edge, especially because Steve Linton entered the transfer portal. So there really isn't anybody there right now that can step up next year and take that spot. Latari Kinsler is also in the portal. And what only what gives me a little hesitation about Haquez is Kinsler was the edge guy. He was the only four-star in the class of 2019, and he was supposed to be the pass rusher of the future for SU. Never got on the field. And I think he was injured his first year. This year, it was just a jam. But still, the 3-3-5 is not meant for pass rushers. It's meant for big bodies who plug holes. And then the linebackers have to do the rest. The nickel, rover, corners, they all have to tackle really well. And the back end does it. But the, in, on the D-line, you need big dudes who are going to push offensive linemen, muck it up in the middle, and I honestly think SU's better served to hit the portal and find guys with game-ready bodies. Jared and, Verse. Yeah, uh, Jared Verse is one name. I wrote about a guy named Almost TD, who's uh, transferring from Maryland, and he was former teammates with What's his SU. Li- What's his name? Almost TD. Uh- <laughs> yes, yes, that is his name. Um, he spent a year at Iowa Western Community College with Jacob Bradford. So that is something to keep an eye out on. And then he transferred to Maryland, did not play this season. So he's got plenty of eligibility left, and he is six foot two or three, 315 pounds. That sounds like a space eater to me. I would describe that as a large human being. Yeah. Uh, now, you just touched on, Ian, a little bit of how important linebackers are in this 3-3-5 defense. Uh, Syracuse's highly rated recruits, or the highest rated recruit in terms of linebacker in this class of 2022, is Makai Mason out of Florida, another three-star. The only linebacker in this class, too, which is a little concerning because Mikel Jones, he's going to the league pretty soon. I think Stephon Thompson's going to follow in his footsteps. Jeff Kantanarku hit the portal. Syracuse lost. Uh, who was the guy that went to West Virginia again? Lee, Lee Kobo. Lee was, Kobo. Uh, yeah. Suspended indefinitely. Him? Yeah, he um, had some issues. We, we, a lot of people on this campus can figure out why he was suspended indefinitely. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and yeah, he went to EMCC last chance you and bounced back. So good for him. But yeah, he would have been a big help now. I liked him. I liked what he was doing in his first season really of playing time, but then he's gone. I do like Makai Mason. He's from Apalaka, Florida. He committed to Syracuse really early on. He had some great offers. I think Georgia was in the mix for him and a couple other SEC schools. He's 6'1", 220. I think that number is a little old. That's probably going to be updated here pretty soon. Um, but I think he's a guy that could come in and play early on, just like Mikel Jones did in 2019, and he could step in and fill that role at the Mike linebacker spot. People think he's a little too unathletic to play on the outside, so that's why he'll play in the middle, but he's a complete package linebacker in my opinion. Okay, well, there you go. Those are the linebackers. Also, that's kind of, and as we continue on in the Fizz Roundtable, it's John Eads, it's Ian Unsworth, it's Jaron May. Uh, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz and read all of our content for early National Signing Day. It'll continue on in the coming days and weeks. And then we also have National Signing Day in a couple months as well, where Syracuse might add a couple more pieces to this class of 2022. 
those are the main recruits that I want to talk about, guys. There's only one other guy that I would like to um, discuss before we wrap things up here, and it's Braylon Oliver. The transfer was at Louisville, transferred to Oregon State, said, ah, I actually don't really want to go out west, so he decommits. And then today he says, all right, let's go to Syracuse. He was a highly rated recruit. I mean, he was only a three-star, but he got a lot of offers. He was actually formerly a Georgia recruit, uh, a commit, committed to Georgia, decommitted, committed to Louisville. So the fact that he keeps committing and decommitting places says something about him. I might be a little worried about that. But when you look at his recruiting page and what kind of offers he had, Georgia, Oregon State, Arkansas, Duke, uh, that one I don't really know why I included in there, Uh, Florida, Florida State, yeah, Georgia Tech, Illinois, NC State, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas Tech, UCF, West Virginia. I mean, a lot of offers from really hot, like really big schools. So this guy, and obviously schools are seeing something in him, uh, this guy has some talent. He just didn't get the opportunity at Louisville last year where he didn't play a snap. Well, he was a true freshman last year. He's in the 2021 class, and he didn't have any stats, and I think he just wants a change of scenery, and he could play pretty early on at Syracuse. Like he said, pretty much everybody wanted him coming out of high school, and he was on his way to Oregon State. I'm kind of an Oregon State fan, low-key, so it's you know it's kind of a shot in the side for me, but he's coming to the Hill, and I think he's going you know, to be great here, especially in that secondary, which we, we've talked so much about. This is kind of like on Christmas Day where you open up all your presents, you're all done with that. You still got your stocking. You go in and you get uh, the, the bag oh, I do of the stocking first. Yeah, I do the stocking first. first. Always first? first? Okay. Yes. Well, I guess that's just me. But yeah. just think of this as an extra gift that you weren't expecting but you get because this guy has four years of eligibility potentially to play at Syracuse, and he was a really high-profile recruit as we've discussed. So this is just a cherry on top for SU. And we talk about college-ready bodies. Braylon Oliver has that. He's got a year of experience in a system. It's not the Syracuse system, but it's a system. And we saw last year, Jason Simmons came in, played right away, and didn't do a bad job, all things considered. So I think Oliver could be that next guy. I mean, let's let's be frank here. Uh, Justin Barron playing safety is not exactly best case scenario for SU. So I think getting any replacement would be great, but I think a guy in Oliver as well that can throw his weight around, hawk the ball back there, and hopefully come up and stuff the run is a big addition. Okay, there you go. Uh, Braylon Oliver, your transfer here on early National Signing Day. It seems like that's it. Seems like we're pretty much done. We had a lot of momentum in the morning, which it usually is, and then in the afternoon, things start to slow down and not much chatter around Syracuse football right now. So it seems like 12 total recruits, including including my favorite, Max Von Marburg, the punter from Australia, and then one transfer coming in in Braylon Oliver. Guys, let's just get your last final thoughts. Again, 70th overall nationally uh, out of, what is it, 113, 130 maybe? FBS 130 schools? roughly, yeah. Okay. Jackson so, State's going to give Syracuse a run for its money. Right in the middle. Literally right down the middle uh, of the national rankings, which if you're an ACC school, you should you should be doing better than that. And then within the ACC, they are number 13 out of 14 schools. Uh, John, I'll start with you. Your final thoughts. Yeah, small class. I think there's definitely some gems that Syracuse can have, but this is the problem. 
Dino Babers is in a win-now situation. If he doesn't have a good season in 2022, he's gone. And maybe that's giving some recruits some pause, but the guys that Dino brought in this year, I don't think are going to have massive impacts on the team next season. And the guys that are on the roster right now, I'm already not too optimistic about what they can do next season. So, yeah, it's a nice class. It's a really small class, but he definitely has some work to do. This recruiting staff as a whole has work to do before the next signing day, which I think is in February. So they got to really hit the portal hard, and they got to continue to recruit guys that are still coming out of high school that they could potentially steal down the stretch. So um, I guess how I'll sum it up is, eh, and not satisfied. What about you, Ian? Yeah, I was going to go with not good enough because the season last year, as I mentioned earlier, ended on a sour note. This is how you pick it up. This is how you reassure John Wildhack, who I guess doesn't really think for himself anymore, and the Syracuse faithful that this program is still going in the right direction. We're going to be okay. We're going to make a bowl game, and I'm going to figure this out. This is not a reassurance. This leaves more holes than, uh, I mean, positions filled. More questions than answers, as you said, John. The portal is going to be absolutely massive. And if Syrac- I, don't know if, I don't even know what the Syracuse class of 2023 is looking like yet. I don't even know if they have a player committed. But it is not a positive side. And, I mean, those 2023 recruits might be holding out because this, this class puts Dino's job back in question. I'm going to say that right now. This 2022 class didn't have a commit until February of this year. So I don't think they have anybody on the radar for 23 yet. Yeah, I, I think this, this class puts Dino's job back in question more than anything that happened this season would. All right, you guys are saying not satisfied. If I can throw out you know a little term to describe this, uh, this class, it's on brand. I mean, it's exactly what I expected. Uh, Dino Babers has never been a good recruiter. He hasn't. Uh, he was fine when he was in the MAC. He was fine. He was probably better than most MAC coaches. He's still you, getting MAC players now. Yeah, when you when you get pulled up to an ACC Power Five level uh, team and program, you got to do better. You got to do better. You can't be relying on a class of uh, eleven three stars and one Max von Marburg. It's just that's not what you are expected to do. Um, but or that's not what you should be doing, but sadly, that's what he's expected to do. I, I did not expect much. Uh, I knew the numbers going in. They added one more. It was a little surprise. It was a nice surprise. It didn't do much for me. I expected this. I'm kind of sick of it. I think Dino Babers uh, needs a lot of help in the recruiting department, and if you can't recruit, you're not going to be able to win games because your players are also leaving right now. So... Uh, I'll leave it on at that. Uh, obviously, we have we could go on for hours on that one, but we're going to wrap things up here on the early National Signing Day Fizz Roundtable. For John Eads and Ian Unsworth, I'm Jaron May. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you go check out all of our content on orangefizz.net. We'll catch you next time.